We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so I've been doing this podcast now for close to five years, and I've never once, I've done a lot of things, but one thing I've never done on this podcast since this launch is ever, ever, ever have a weekend episode. But given the way this week has kind of played out and um, doing a show, I tried to do a show Thursday that was solo, and I, quite frankly, I thought it sucked, man, and I, I, didn't, I didn't articulate things the way I wanted to, and uh, just a lot going on. Of course, I'm obviously talking about the DeMar Hamlin stuff, and uh, I need to have a guest. I need to have a conversation with somebody. So I went to the bullpen. I went to the practice squad, as he likes to say. I'm uh, hard today. Yeah, I'm the, I'm, so everyone knows, yeah, I'm Joe from Queens. Joe from Queens. I'm going to air my Festivus first before we get into, like, serious matters about Hamlin and sure. everything. Go ahead. So, like – First off, everyone, as you as Pat admitted, the first time he's told the truth, he had a terrible podcast with just him. I guess I don't know. I don't listen, but I'm sure. I'm sure. Like you know, maybe there was some people that liked it. So Pat tells me, "Hey, can you be on a podcast?" And we're recording this on a Friday night at eleven thirty right now. It's it's eleven forty five because Pat's late, yeah. and I'm like, I'm sick. So everyone who who's tuning in, thinking like, I'm just gonna bust Pat's. Pat's balls, which I will, but if I'm going to like, it's going to be the Joe show. It's not because I have like a, a frog in my voice. It's not going to be great. So this is Pat's dream where I get to like nod and go, yeah, that's a, that's, I can, I can agree with that. And maybe I'll steer him in a different conversation, but short and sweet takes. Yes. Yeah, short and sweet takes. It's all about, I love Pat's, it. all about Pat's ego as always. <laughs> so here's what I want people to like, understand, like, aside from me being sick, I told Pat, hey, I'll do it. But if you find someone else, let me know because I'm I'm I would rather that they do it because I'm sick. Mm-hmm. Of course, Pat admits to me about an hour and a half ago. Oh, uh, I didn't find anyone, but I also didn't bother to look. So <laughs> that, this is what I get here. I get a guy. This guy. I'm sick. I'm preparing mm-hmm. to go to the Caribbean next weekend, so I'm trying to not use my voice as much so I can get healthy. And I can go to the Caribbean and you know get wasted and stumble on the beach. And I and this guy won't even get another another person. Then to top it off, Pat has this like never ending hard on to try to give me like a last name on this podcast. I, I don't do. know why he doesn't like Joe. He doesn't like Joe from Queens. Which if you're watching that video, that's the lower third. Mm-hmm. That sometimes it's Joe from NYC. Sometimes it's just Joe from Buffalo Winds. And I I I don't want to lose my use my last name because there's a lot of sick fucks out there who might be listening to this podcast. And are gonna go. Oh, I know that guy's last name. Let's go call his work and get him and get him fired because he didn't like 
Brother Bill's video this week or something stupid. So I want people to understand how much I have to go through just to get on this damn podcast. It's like screening. I'm sick. I don't have a last name that Pat likes. And I actually, if anyone wants to suggest a name for me, I don't give a shit at this point. You want to call me Joe Exclusive? Or Joe Geary or Joe Aaron Quinn. I don't Joe Geary. <laughs> Joe Wander, Art Wander, the ghost of Chuck Dickerson. I don't care. Send your send your tweets to Pat. Give me a last name. I don't care anymore. That's mm-hmm. way so that Pat will like and use and stop asking me to use my last name. I'm well, just, I don't like Joe from Buffalo Winds. So it's either Joe from Queens yeah, or Joe I from NYC. You're jealous of my old website because we were better than Buffalo Sports Daily. That's why I hate it. Anyways. What do you prefer personally? If you had to pick one, if it was Joe from Queens or Joe from NYC, if that's what you were known for, if you had to be known for one no, of them two. Joe. Samoa Joe. I don't know. No, Joe. I got I got I Joe Yurdy. I got, I got Joe Marino. There's too many Joes to just be Joe. Well, that's their problem. Have them change their names. I was on this podcast before Joe Yurdy <laughs> and Joe Marino. I should have the... I should have the trademark of Joe, motherfucker. Sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to swear. We're about to talk about a guy who almost died. In a little, on the yeah. I got to put my serious face on. But seriously, everyone on Twitter, send me your, what my nickname should be, Angry Joe, Hater Joe. I don't care. I, I, I can't have these discussions every three months where Pat's like, I need a last name for you. <laughs> I, I'm like, who gives a shit? I don't care. No one cares. I'm sick. Go ahead. All right. Send your tweet, tweet at Joe, your, your suggestions at Buffalo wins. Um, I, I want to thank Pat. everybody. Um, Pat has to approve them. So tweet in the Pat that my, my nickname should be. or whatever. I want, first and foremost, I, I want to thank everybody who who's listening to this on a Saturday. Like I said, I went through episodes, never done a weekend episode. Um, I generally don't like doing them, but in this case, I kind of felt in a way I felt it was necessary. So, Monday, obviously, there was no podcast. Now, Joe Yurden and I were supposed to do a, uh, a show immediately after the Bills-Bengals game because we have our typical Tuesday show. That just felt wildly inappropriate. Tuesday, could not find the words. I tried. I tried twice on Tuesday night to tape a little something solo, and I just couldn't get through five, ten minutes of it. It just I, I couldn't find the words and just kept getting emotional. Wednesday night, I taped something, put it out Thursday and I know I'm, a, I'm my own worst critic. I just, I didn't like it. I, I I felt like I had good thoughts, but I felt like I did a really poor job of articulating. I just, I don't know, man. I think this is kind of a, a situation that I want to talk to someone else about. You know, I'm not a big fan of doing solo shows. I've said that a million times on this podcast as it is, but especially in, in a case like this. And um, I don't know, I've been consumed in my own thoughts and some for what I read on Twitter or Facebook and stuff, but I haven't really, to be completely honest with you, had a conversation about DeMar Hamlin since it happened with somebody else, I should say anyway. So, um, well, let's start here first with with some great news. I mean, first and foremost, uh, the news on DeMar's health right now is great. Uh, The breathing tube came out overnight on Thursday. We learned on Friday that, um, he zoomed with his teammates, which was a surprise. They did not know that was coming. Sean McDermott kind of set that up as a surprise. I guess the room went absolutely bonkers. He's communicating. Even before that, when the breathing tube was in, he was squeezing hands. So neurologically, he's intact from what we um, understand from the from the UC doctors who are absolutely amazing. Um, it's just great news medically all around. I think you you couldn't realistically hope for better news 
than this. And it, I don't know, Joe, it just feels like a miracle. 72 hours or whatever it is, is we're taping. It's now removed from uh, everything. And like I said, I haven't really had a chance to, to discuss this with, with other people. Like, what were you doing for the game? Let's go back to the game on Monday for a few minutes here. Like, what were you doing for the game? Um, what was your initial reaction? Like, did you realize right away that this was serious? Did it take a couple of minutes to, to sink in? Um, you know, just what were you feeling? What was going on when this happened for you? I was watching it with my wife. Um, she's a Bills fan, and we were just watching it. And then that, that happened. And I I kind of, like, saw, like, all right, he's down. I didn't really understand the magnitude right away because I was like, why is he down? Because that was, that was such a simple hit that what happened was just a regular hit. It was a football play. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, I saw him faint. I was like, what the heck just happened? And then I just remember seeing Jay Skursky tweet out, they're giving him CPR. And that's when I knew, like, holy shit, this is not good. And I think I quote tweeted him. I was like, postpone this game right now. And that's where I was at. And, like, the two things that kind of came to my head, and some of this is probably going to be a little weird, uh, but I'll just admit it. Like, I thought to myself, oh, my God, this player is, is going to die. And, Me too. And, and I also thought maybe selfishly, oh, my God, it's going to be a Bills player. Like, just tip – like, a black cloud over Buffalo kind of mentality of, like, oh, my God, it's going to be a Bills player for, for God's sakes. That this never has, has happened before. And then I thought, and you'll, you'll, I don't know, you might like this or you might not. I thought about our conversation from the summer when you and I talked about Hamlin, where I was, yep. like, I was like, you and I had gotten an argument because I didn't know who he was, and right. you and I were like talking about how, like, oh, like you know, you you thought you should know who the who the who the, the six round second year safety is, and I was like, who would know that? Like, and you and I got went back and forth. Yeah, I remember that. And and then like you know we we talked about it on a podcast like yeah you should have known this and I kind of felt guilty about it to the point to where I decided to go delete that tweet which I did so because I was scared <laughs> someone was gonna search Hamlin and be like oh here's this asshole Joe who who said like oh who's this guy and I would have I would have felt like a, a massive dick and so I I deleted that so you if you go and search our tweet exchange it's it's just you talking into the wind. But Real quick, just stand on that for one second, Joe. Sure. In fairness to you, I think what you were saying is that the average football fan, Bills fan, is not going to know who the backup safeties, the depth yeah. players are yeah. on this team. Now, the hardcore fans, obviously, podcasters, media people, of course, they know. And I'd say hardcore fans, they definitely are going to know every player on the roster. But the average casual fan who watches the game and doesn't spend – all week obsessing about the next game and what happened in that game. They're not going to know who the third and fourth safety sure. on the team is. So in and fairness it, to you, it wasn't like you were being outlandish or ridiculous. I'll, yeah. I'll give you that. But I, I just felt bad because I was like, oh, I kind of like, that's. I mean, I, I hardly have tweeted about him this year. And that was like the one thing I remember. And I was like, oh my mm -hmm. God, this guy's going to, he's going to die in the field. But it was just, it was just crazy. I mean, my, my wife was really upset. I was like, you know, upset and, you know, it was just, it was just, it was very surreal. And like, I think the whole time I was just like very angry. I was like very, and like in hindsight, looking back, I, I think the league was right. Like I, it took them a little bit of a while to figure things out. And there's a controversy about who told, like who told Joe Buck that, Hey, you need to like, they, who told Joe Buck in the booth, like, Oh, they're warming back up. 
when when we heard that, that's when I was like, this is ridiculous. They cannot be playing this fucking game right now. The dude just went into the ambulance and he, he could be dead for all we know. Yeah. So like, but like in hindsight, they did kind of, they did probably figure it out. If you want to listen, take the, the, the league's worth. Like they, they couldn't figure it. They figured it out. Cause like, you know, you don't have, like, you know, you talk about how you, you know, you haven't really had a podcast this week, like, you know, outside of your own, like, this is something that, I, you know, I'm not a, I don't, this is not something I like to talk about in a way. Like, I'm not trained to talk about this. I'm trained to come on here. We, we bust balls. We talk about the bills and it's like, I gotta, we gotta talk about a guy nearly dying. That's just like, those are like hard words when you're overthinking it. And then there's some people who are really good at it. Like, like on ESPN, like Ryan Clark, all those guys, like they're great. And like me, it's like, shit, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I don't feel comfortable really like talking about too much about that. Cause it's just like, like, what can you say? Like, it was horrible. And yeah. I, it's great how it turned out. Like, or so far it's been, you know, he's talking, the, the tube is out. It looks like a miracle, you know, and, and like people are raising money for him and, and all that sort of stuff. And like, you know, it. but that Monday, it was just like, I couldn't believe it. I just, it was just surreal that this was happening. To, to, I, I'll to tell you, man. I, yeah, I, I'm so I watched the game at home with, with my wife and my son and my son takes football really serious because he played you know he played for a long time and he knows the game very well like he pays attention to all the little things that you'd be surprised a lot of people don't when we watch the games but anyway so what happens and um yeah it, it went from being oh shit he's really hurt and and progressively getting worse and i you know what really got to me is once i started seeing reactions from players uh Lots of players on the team, you know, J Josh Allen having his hands over his face. Like, Oh my God. At that point you knew it. Well, this was more than just an injury yeah. when you started looking around at the players. And then um, if you're watching this on the YouTube side, by the way, uh, I got a photo up right now. It's made, uh, this guy, what a symbolic photo of the, of the times of the moment, you know, Trey white's crying his damn eyes out and Mitch Morris is so shook and he's trying to comfort and console his teammate who's, you know, he, he's lost it as everyone did. And I'm going to tell you, man, for better or worse, and, I, and I'm not afraid to, to to admit this shit, man. I'm an emotional dude, man. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm a hothead. I think I know you're a hothead and you and I go at it from time to time. You know, that's just some people are just wired and built that way. I'm a very emotional person. It doesn't take a lot to get me, you know, and when, and I tried talking about this on the podcast Thursday when I was by myself, and I'm going to try this again, and hopefully I can articulate this a little bit better. Sometimes when you see something horrible happen, whether it's what we watched on Monday or just something horrible in general, you, 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 I, I, at least I do. I don't know if you do or other people do. I tend to take a situation and kind of liken it to something that's happened in my life. Now, there's no real precedent for what we saw on the football field Monday, but I'm just talking about, like, for an example, the reaction from the players, the, the shock. You could just see it went from, you know, our, our guys really hurt to this is really fucking bad. And when you look at their faces, it, it just reminds me. And, again, I talked about this on the show Thursday, and I'm going to try to do a little bit better job this time. So my father was 41 years old, and I was 19. So I was still a teenager, not even quite yet an adult. My, my father passed away, and this was a long time ago. I'm over this shit now. You know, like, life goes on just as the way it goes. You know, when you lose somebody, time kind of heals it for the most part. You know what I'm saying? You don't really ever get over it, but just life happens. You know, you get involved in other things, and it kind of just fades away, those memories. 
Well, I circle back to that when something like this happens, when I look at Josh Allen's face and I look at Trey White and I look at Saran Neal, who I mean was just inconsolable at the time. Lots of guys, lots of players on the team. Both teams, by the way, too. It wasn't just Buffalo Bills players. I'll throw that out there. But anyway, what what I'm trying to get at here is, so my father had a a brain aneurysm and I didn't, I left my house. I I was hanging out with a, a couple friends and I came home and I found my dad gasping and his eyes were open I'm not going to get into all the gory because it's terrible. But here's my point. It went from being, oh, shit, is, you know, he's something wrong. He's feeling sick to, in a matter of what felt like just a couple seconds, it was probably a matter of a half hour, but calling an ambulance and the ambulance comes and, you know, now they're doing CPR and he's getting stretchered and put on a a gurney and taken out by ambulance. And I'm sitting there just like Josh, you know, like, what the fuck is happening? You know what I mean? The shock. You're not ready for. I mean, nobody's ever ready for something like that, especially when you don't see it coming. It's one thing if you lose somebody and it's a long, prolonged illness, you have a chance to kind of prepare yourself to some degree. When something sudden like this, like what happened to Demar, happens, these guys don't know how to handle it because they're in that moment. And I'm just saying, it reminded me personally of taking me back to that time where I was like, just the shock. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening because it came literally out of nowhere. Like one second, Demar Hamlin's fine. And literally the next second, he's almost dead. He was dead on the field. He wasn't breathing. You know what I mean? He was resuscitated. So he literally, I don't know if it was just a couple seconds or whatever, but he literally died momentarily on a football field. And like I said, for me, it just, uh, that's what I thought of almost immediately. And that's what really, my point is, is that's what got me so emotional. That's what got to me. It brought back memories that have been locked in me for the most part for 30 years now. They come out from time to time. And this was one of those times where, you know, that shit came out. So that that's how what I was feeling at the time. Yeah, it's like when you, if someone's, if you have like a, like you lost a friend or you lost a parent and someone's talking about their own parent or friend, mm-hmm. you'll automatically think of that, your, your own yeah. relationship. And that's what you went through. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, I haven't had that, that sort of moment of like, oh, I remember what I went through. Is I, I do know this, like we've, me and my wife have talked about this and I think we've talked about it before with you on the show. Like I, we're, we're, if we have a kid, God bless if we do. No way we're having them play football. Like that's not happening. I mean, that's and I and I think that's like I think some people. I mean, that was a commercial. Not you know uh, that was a commercial for don't play football because that hit was that was your modern play where the guy's yeah. helmet. I I when that happened, I forgot to say this too. I thought he it was like a, a Hank Gather situation where he just had like a messed up heartbeat and he just he just died and that's what I thought it was because the hit was so routine i was like that's not a that's that's not a concussion that's not and then when you see it and then i saw it the next day when the bills kind of released a statement saying he got injured like you know with the start with the helmet kind of being in the sternum a little bit or whatever then you're like okay i could see that now and then you see the chris pronger thing like the video of that i remember and then like oh like that it's just that's like a that's like a tackle you can see any day of the week man you know and that's that to me is what i i kind of came up with and no you know no disrespect to anyone like hey you want to have your kids play it's ironic you say that because quite literally in the moments that follow that I told my son who does not play football anymore he played his high school ball was gonna play college football got injured not playing football anymore but I told him I said I'm glad you don't play football anymore now to be fair knowing now that you know this is just a routine thing if you don't want your kid playing football because it's too violent and too dangerous I completely agree. And for the record, I would at least contemplate it now, whereas 
I wouldn't have, I would not have done it before. He was yeah. going to play football. I would at least think twice, but I don't think this is the incident in the play to, to say my kid's not going to play football just because it was so routine. Had this been, say, you know, the play where, say, with Miami, where Tua smacked his head on the ground from getting yeah. hit, then he'd be like, yo, fuck, my kid ain't playing no damn football. Not saying that it's wrong to to say that based on this. I just don't think that this is this specific play. I thought it was more because I would think of a violent hit as being like, well, that's a violent hit. If he's paying, playing peewee football, right. he gets smashed. Okay, that's not going to happen in like the pros. But that was such a routine hit where all it was was the guy's helmet like hit his sternum basically. And that, yeah, I, yeah, 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 for that sure. felt like a play that you would see on Saturday at a high school game. You know right. what I mean? It wasn't like someone coming to kill the guy. And then, they, oh, he knocked him out, and he's out for, like, the year or whatever. Right. Like, oh, you, it was a violent hit. It right. was not violent at all. I mean, right. so I agree 100%. Now, and speaking of, so, like I said, I, I kind of likened the, the shock and awe of the Buffalo Bills players and coaches to how I felt in the moment when that happened to my dad. Just though I can't believe this. The other thing that I was able to kind of liken to my own personal life, and I want to preface something, this is – not comparable, like in terms of what happened to DeMar Hamlin and what I'm go- about to talk about briefly here, it's not even in the same stratosphere. But the point is the same. So when you they started talking about his mother, Nina, who they came down from the stands and just horrifying to see your 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 child. I mean, 24 years old, 14, 44, whatever. It's still her child, you know? And it reminds me, it takes me back to Florida Junior year, high school football, uh, my son Shane, it was his first ever varsity game. And I talked about this a little bit on the podcast Thursday. But again, I felt like I did a really terrible job. So I'm trying to articulate this a little better second time around. My son's first high school varsity start, junior year of high school, full stands, a couple thousand people in the stands. Florida high school football is no joke with, with the crowds. They're big. And my daughter, who did not live in Florida with me, she was older. She stayed back here, finished school. Um, She was there with her boyfriend, the first and only time she ever seen Shane play in Florida live in, in person as opposed to watching it on YouTube TV every week. But anyway, second quarter, he's covering a punt. Uh, a teammate knees him in the head, which I know this at the time. I, I Now I know it. I didn't know it at the time. He's down. He's injured. You hear, you know, injured player on the field. You hear it 100 times, you know, uh, number nine, my, my kid's name. And then it's like, all right, well, you know, get up. And he's not getting up, and he's not getting up. He was literally knocked out. And uh, about six, seven minutes, nothing's going on, no updates. Um, the, the TV, like I said, they cover it on YouTube TV. That that went off. The cameras to the side. They're not showing it. Um, this, the crowd is eerily silent, just like I'm sure it was in, in Cincinnati on Monday night. We're sitting there like, what the hell? Um, an athletic trainer comes and gets my wife and I. And brings us onto the field. And I'm scared shitless at the point. Again, I'm not comparing the extent of, of what happened. I'm just saying, I was scared out of my freaking mind. So we get out of the stands, walk across the other side of the football field because the injury happened on the far side of the field. And I'm literally walking and, I'm, and my arms and my legs, I'm, I'm, I'm shaking because I'm so scared. Turns out, again, he was knocked out cold. Um, they put him on. And oh, by the way, I should have said this too. An ambulance comes on the field and that, you know what I mean? And paramedics are out there. And we don't know exactly what happened at the time. So we get to him, and, and eventually we know he's going to be okay. You know, like I said, he got put on there. At some point, it was more for precautionary than anything. He was moving his his limbs. We knew he was going to be okay, and then he avoided something terrible. You know what I'm saying? It's not the injury I'm not comparing that to. I'm talking about the fear and the anxiety 
that was going through my mind and my body, walking from the stands, getting told to come onto the field and getting to him and not knowing what was happening. You know what I'm saying? It was like that crippling fear and anxiety as a parent. And again, that was just from an injury. I can't even fathom what Nina Hamlin must have been going through in that moment. I just got it. I fell for her so much, so bad. You know what I'm saying? That that was, that's just terrible, man. No, no, no mother, no father, no brother, no sister. No one ever wants to see someone they love on the field like that, let alone potentially dying. Yeah, that that sucks for her. I mean, yeah. no one wants that. Um, yeah, but you know, overall, I think with you know, if there's a bright side to this, obviously he's doing better. That's a big one. But we we kind of found out what like Demar Hamlin is like as like you know a person and something that like you know like Ty Dunn did a really good story on him in the off season before that. Then you heard about like the thing with his with his yeah. mom's the toy drive that his mom was doing. <laughs> And, and things like that. And like, sometimes like tragedy, you kind of, when something like that happens, you get to like, look at, yeah, you, you get to look at the other side of football and like, sure. like these people are more than just football players or people who are actually pretty good. And imagine being, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. We'll, we'll talk about a few of those in a, in, a, in a couple of minutes too. Imagine though, Joe being uh, in the stands. We obviously, we both watched it on TV and you know about this. I have a, a very close friend of mine, her name's Jed, and she's not on Twitter, but she's on Facebook. And she put up a a status as somebody who was sitting in the crowd. And again, I want to I'm going to read this, uh, kind of get your reaction. I mean, most of this you've already heard, um, but this was her thoughts in the moment. She was all about the stadium, and uh, lots of credit's been given to Cincinnati to the fans, to the administrators, the officials, everybody, and it's very much deserved. But anyway. I'm going to throw it up on the screen real quick here. I'm going to read it off uh, what she said. And this is uh, my friend Jen was talking about what she saw, like what people were seeing that you didn't see on TV. Now, a couple of these things we did see on TV, but for the most part, we didn't. She says, let me tell you what you didn't see on TV. This was her status. Not one Bills fan or one Bengals fan left their seat. The entire stadium was almost silent. The entire Bills team was around the ambulance. The entire Bengals team was down on one knee. Many in my section, Bills and Bengals fans, broke out in prayer. I sat and cried with a Bengals fan, hugging each other so tight. Um, the teenage Bengals fan in front of me ran to get more tissues and made sure I didn't need anything else. I saw grown men crying and strangers linking arms. So many Bengals fans circled around, all the Bills fans offering support. The shock look of every single fan showed the devastation. Uh, they walked out of the stadium. The walk out of the stadium was very somber, eerily quiet, and honestly just said, like I said, some of that stuff we do know from, from watching on TV. And look, if you have a stadium of 50, 60,000 people, you're going to have a couple of douchebags, I'm sure. But for the overwhelmingly that that's what it was like there. And by the way, this tweet that I put out, and again, it wasn't my tweet. It wasn't my thoughts. I just took a screenshot of what she said and put it out there. And like three and a half million people have seen it. And that's just from my tweet. I've also seen other people take that, you know, use it as a tweet or a Facebook status. Point being is that that message was spread or spread. And it's worth saying that, first of all, you sit in the stands, like I said, Joe, you you think a player is going to die. And he almost did die. You know what I'm saying? So I can't imagine the horror in that. But it needs to be said that Bengals fans deserve a, an awful lot of credit. Now, I'm not sure any city would have fans that would be the same way given the gravity of the situation, but that's neither here nor there. 
I just want to throw it out there. You probably do too. Well, yeah, get your I mean, opinion on this. Bengals fans deserve a lot of credit for, for for how they acted. I thought it was all class. Absolutely. I mean, we've we've come a long way from when Michael Irving like career ended in Philadelphia and they booed him when he was out cold, you know, in, in like the late nineties. So yeah. yeah, I think I think I I think fans. I like to give credit to them. You know, I know, like you said, there's a couple of knuckleheads, but they understand now like the severity of injuries in this league yeah. and concussions and, and like things like that. Like, you know, don't, you know, there's, you gotta, you, they did a great job and like the unity they provided. And then like on, on online, even um, it, it's tough. I mean, look, you're there at the game and you know, you're probably drunk and like, and there wasn't any other you know stories or anything that I saw that, you know, they were dicks or anything like that. But, it was I'm good sure time. there was a couple, but they were very few and far between. You know, yeah. you got that many people, but overwhelmingly it was just uh it was incredible. Yeah. And then the other thing you hit on this a little bit. I'll talk about it for a few minutes and then we'll take a break. I want to talk more on the other side of this too. But the job that the ESPN did, the national media, you know, and uh in the blink of an eye, it's hard enough. Now I'm not a trained professional like these men and these women are, but that said, it's hard enough to put together thoughts and things like that. When you have time to prepare, like I'm literally this happened days ago, you know, and I'm just now being able to kind of have a conversation about it. Imagine being on the air and somebody's potentially dying in real time with a producer in your ear and you got to take a break and you don't know what's going on. I thought Joe Buck and Troy Aikman did a very good job. All things considered. I think the ESPN studio, when it was um, Susie Kobler and, and Adam Schefter, I thought they were pretty good in the moment. Booger McFarland was really good. He was Booger very was emotional. He was He's really a player. He, he was feeling it. And you could yeah. just tell. You could see that brotherhood and that fraternity in, you know, in Booger's comments. You could just see it. And, of course, uh, Lisa Salter's on, on the sideline. Oh, my God. Uh, how she was able to keep it together. And, again, it's one thing to watch in horror like you and I did on TV and millions around the world. Imagine being on that sidelines right there, you know, 50, 50, 60 yards away from what's going on and the fear and the crying and the tears she kept it together. She barely did. She was barely able to get through her uh, her interview with Scott Van Pelt. But, man, she was in fucking incredible. She was awesome. And then Scott Van Pelt and Ryan Clark. We're going to talk about Ryan Clark after this break, too. But you agree, man, right? This was just, um, given the circumstance, I, I thought this was really superb and unprecedented times. This has never happened before. Yeah. During, I, a live, during a game, man. Yeah. They were, I thought, they were great. And you. that's... <laughs> You know, that's why they work for ESPN, I guess. But, like, you know, you you don't get trained for that sort of stuff with with sports like that. And right. But I think it hits home very much so for these players because, as you said, it's a fraternity for them. They see themselves like this could happen to me, and they care about these players, you know, for the most part. And, you know, they – I mean, I was glued to the TV. Like, you know, I, I had to take a break probably, like, towards the end of Tuesday where I, I was like, okay, I need to – yeah, I just just let me know what where where he's at. Like, let me know his status in terms. Yeah, of I couldn't. I I physically could not sleep on Monday night after what happened. I couldn't. I I don't even think I attempted to try to go to sleep until about two two thirty because I was just horrified. I was scared that I was going to fall asleep and miss on Twitter. You know that something. Quite frankly, I was expecting. I was expecting him to not make it. You know, and I think a lot of people were. So that that makes you know, what's happening now, all the more enjoyable and remarkable. Um, You know what? I'll tell you what. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a break. I was going to play a, a long clip from Ryan Clark, but I already played it on Thursday's show. So if you want to go back and listen to it, 
take my word for it. I know you saw some of him in action on Monday night. It, the way he was just articulating his thoughts is just, it was elite. It was second to none. So we'll, we'll leave it at that with the ESPN coverage. It's really good. I want to take a quick break and then we'll get to some other stuff involved in this. And by the way, let's spend a couple of minutes talking Bills Patriots because there is a game on Sunday and um, reaction to what the NFL has decided to do in terms of the playoffs. So be right back after this quick break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days, I'm here to tell you about Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them. You're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most if you're going to go with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign-up codes and promos from the sports books to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, the Odds Trader app gives you the player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a bet tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, I'm back here with Joe from Queens. I guess that's what we're calling you today, Joe from Queens. Um, all right, so we, we talked about, like I said, the, the, the what happened. We're talking about the instant reaction in real time. Um, credit to CU, I mean, the, the medical team. Um, and we learn, like you said, whenever something like this happens where somebody doesn't die because of the actions of a group of people, um, they deserve recognition. And I'm going to be completely honest with you, man. I had never in my life heard of the name uh, Denny Killington until about 36 to 48 hours ago. And this man is uh, hes a hero. hes He is a hero. He is, I mean, it's not just him. There's many people. But were it not for him, we would be having a very different discussion right now. Let's just put it that way. This man is, uh, he's not even the, 
the head trainer. He's and he's assistant trainer. He's been with the Bills since 2017. Uh, he's been around professional football since 1999. And again, I had never heard of this guy in uh in my life, quite frankly, until about a day and a half ago. But his actions, um, he's the reason why Demar Hamlin's alive right now. You know, and it's uh, it, it's just it's awesome to see. And again, I'm trying. I'm starting to have difficulty finding the words to say what, what, what else, what can you say? This guy saved his life, you know, yeah, uh, put him on the wall of fame. Like, the, you know, like these trainers, these, you know, I don't know what it is with Buffalo sports. I talked to a friend of mine and he, he kind of said like, you know, we may not have championships, but we have like the top tier medical team, you <laughs> know, ever like in terms of like this guy. And then you go to Kevin Everett and then you go to like when, you know, I think we know, when Richard Zednick from the Panthers got his throat cut like a decade ago when the Sabres trainer helped like save his life. Like, you know, they, they, it's like, it's like the, uh, they, they've, they've had a tendency to do this whenever this stuff happens here. And, you know, that guy, like that guy shouldn't, he shouldn't have to buy a beer in Buffalo for the rest of his life for what he mm-hmm. did. And, you know, that you, you think, and you know, you forget about these things when you're watching sports and like, you don't take it for granted. Like, I don't think about the medical team like at, at all, like while I'm watching the game, you know, and, you know, thank God they had like someone that, that good that knew what to do in that situation. Cause I don't, that is, that's what they, that's, that's what they do it. You know, they, he they, wouldn't have made it. He wouldn't have made it to see you. Yeah. We're, we're not for that. You know, he, he would not have made it. It's just, um, it really is a miracle. And I'll tell you Thursday, now, news got even better. We're taping this late, late Friday. News got even better late Friday with, uh, you know, word that the breathing tube is out and stuff. But even Thursday when the breathing tube was still in, I'm not one for, and I know you're not a big fan of press conferences, coaches talking and, sure. you know, I, a medical press conference. But I'm going to tell you, man, Thursday I was glued yeah. to the television watching first CU which was, I mean, these guys are amazing. And that whole staff, again, can't say enough great things about CU right now. And then even the Bills press conference with Sean McDermott and and Josh Allen speaking. And then later on after that, I don't know if you caught it, but uh, Mitch Morris spoke as well. Um, God, it was just, uh, it was so revealing. And, I, you know, I've talked about this with, with Sean McDermott. If, let's put aside football for a second, you know, X's and O's and stuff. This guy is... Uh, what do you say? He, he, he's a leader, man. He, he really is. He is a, he's a leader amongst men, the way he handled things on Monday. Um, the, the things he said, you know, that it's basically, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to, doesn't make you weak. It makes you strong to seek out counseling, things like that from a, from a quote unquote tough guy. I, I thought was really revealing, man. I, I think he's an excellent leader and the Buffalo Bills, I don't know. I don't know of anybody who I think is better qualified or would could do a better job of leading a team than Sean McDermott has, at least for this week and given the crisis and everything that this team's gone through. I, I think he's been absolutely amazing. He's he genuinely cares about his players. Yes, and everyone in that and that and that office and that that stadium. Like he cares about them, and you can yeah. see it in his face. You saw it when he. Like on on Monday, when you could tell by his expression, he did not want to coach this game. Like he saw his players and was like, "The hell with this. We're not doing this." He said that literally. I mean, Zach yeah. Taylor from the Bengals, by the way, a lot he, of credit to him, him credit. too. Give credit to the Bengals coaching staff because they could have lots been, of it. They could have been dicks and been like, "No, we're playing." Like you know, and- he said it directly. He's the one who said to the media, I believe it was on Wednesday, that Sean McDermott went up to him and said. I, I need to be at the hospital with my guy. I don't really want to coach this game. Sean McDermott told Zach Taylor that. Yeah. 
So um, I just, like I said, but, I don't know, man. It's just. But he, can, he but like McDermott, look, he that's his. I think that's his big mo. Like you know, like yeah, yeah X's and O's, whatever. But like. He, he cares about these guys as humans and he cares about them as people, you know, him talking about like, you know, depression and kind of like going through stuff like, yeah, go, go ask for help. Like you said before, like you don't get that in coaching. Like you think of coaches as being like brawn assholes who are like, you know, I don't care. Like, you know, when it all costs, when it all costs you know, you're or, out. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, I don't, I don't, like I don't think Bill, like not to, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to shut up. Bill Belichick. Yeah, I'm gonna shit on Bill Belichick, but like Bill Belichick doesn't strike me as a guy who genuinely cares about his players. Like he's kind of like a, a like he just doesn't like there are coaches that just don't come across that way. Yeah, you know yeah. they're just like they look at them as employees, where he looks at them as family. I and said I you, you get more out of people when you look at them as family. And absolutely, people. yeah, for sure. And I listen, I got a whole new level of respect for Sean McDermott. I, I really truly do. I said on social media on Friday that he could be the Bills' coach until he retires for, for the rest of his life. Now, look, I have a love affair going out with the man based on what he's done this week. I'm not going to lie to you, though. I said this kind of tongue-in-cheek. I I thought at 13 seconds, I said, listen, he's going to screw up a game, and I'm going to tell him that he can go walk off Mount Everest. You know what I mean? I said that tongue-in-cheek. Um, still got some things to prove in the playoffs in, the, in terms of X's and O's and stuff. But, again, a, a leader, uh, he he was the man that the Buffalo Bills needed during a, during a crisis like this. And, by the way, of all the media coverage and, and things that I saw, the last outlet probably in the country that I thought would have encapsulated all this perfect, and if you really stop and think about something so simple like I'm about to tell you, this is perfect for how everybody felt. Look at this guy. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it. If not, I'm just going to tell you. The New York Post of all places had a cover with DeMar Hamlin on it, and it says, simply put, America's son. And I started thinking about that. And I'm like, you know, that's kind of right because this man has gotten so much love from everybody, not just Bill's fans. And we'll talk about the money in a second too, but just the outpouring of love from this man. It's, it feels like he's a Mary. He's like everybody's son. Even if you're younger than him, it's like, he's America's son. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little, uh, Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but don't you feel like that's a really fitting cover and a really fitting thing to say he's America's son? Because all of America cared about this man and cares about this man so much right now. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, it's 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 a top story. I think everywhere. I you know I I didn't mention this before, but I turned it on the local news in New York City at eleven o'clock at night. This is after mm-hmm. the game was canceled, and the lead story was him. Like this is Monday night, like in New York City, and the lead story was Demar Hamlet, and it was the next. It was the lead story on newscast. It was the lead story everywhere, uh, you know, and and the evening, like the six thirty news, whatever that is, World News Tonight or whatever. It was like the lead story. Like, yeah, people were like, I, I, I it took people back. I mean, and and it was, it's just, it's just crazy how, you know, again, it's it's a it's 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 turning into a great story in terms of like he's he's awake and like. You know, thank God. You know what I mean. And and I'll say this too. I, I wanted to bring this up. Good. Uh, I just mentioned God. Um, I'm not a very religious person. You know, and I did go to school for like Catholic stuff and went to the high school and all that. And I have like kind of a love hate with relationship with prayer. Like sometimes I think it's fine, and I get it. But it was great to see. You know, and sometimes I don't care for it because it could kind of be a deflective, like when there's gun violence, it's like thought in prayers. And I'm like, well, why don't we do something about it? But 
I digress. But like, you know, when, when it comes to having people pray for someone to be well and like recover and like, it's, there is no, like, there is no other way to, to, to go about handling your business. Like, like there's no, you're not going to stop. Like, like to give you an example, like with gun violence, you can say, Hey, I'm going to take guns off the street. That's, that's how you can, that's how you can change that solution or mental health in this case. And then that's why you don't need to have prayers as much there as here you do, because there is no solution really other than like hope, having faith, having hope and faith and faith. And I think it was like, it it was fine for people to do that. Like, I think, I think when you, when you're in a crisis and you, you tend to try to, whether, you know, you believe the man upstairs or not, like, you know, I I guess I do. I don't know. I'll figure that out one day, (laughs) but like that's, that's a moment where you, you definitely are turning to every corner. And I, and I, and I respect people who did that to, in the hopes of that, you know, for, for praying for the guy. By the way, you want to talk about character? I should have mentioned this earlier when we were talking about a CU press conference. You want to talk about character of a man with Tamar Hamlin? He wakes up, and the first thing he, he communicates, he couldn't talk, but he wrote on a piece of paper, is, did we win? Yeah. You know, and then when the doctor says, you won, you won at the game of life. Yeah. I was ready to run through a goddamn wall at yeah. that moment in time when I heard that shit. It was just incredible. Yeah. It's, this feels, I, I mean, honestly, Joe, when you get the amount of love, and by the way, the GoFundMe, let, let's just talk about that briefly here. So everyone knows this at this point. He started a, a, a toy drive on GoFundMe with a goal of raising $2,500 or some shit like that. Nothing big at all. Um, that's where it was around. And then I remember uh, an hour and a half or so after that became news, you know, that he had one after this happened. I was up to like 300000 or some shit like that. And then it went to a million. As we're taping this really late Friday into Saturday morning, I looked up a handful of minutes ago, $8.1 million. Wow. $8.1 million. And here's the best part about that. And by the way, money is great too. It's just people are doing so many good deeds. You know, like you said, the prayers, the thoughts. Um, Little kids in schools are, are having barrels full of get well cards that are getting sent to him. People are buying food and bringing it to the family when they're in the hospital and to the workers who are there. I ought to give a shout out, shout out to, to our, my guy, Joe Marino from lockdown bills podcast. So and I'm not going to get all the details, but I'll say this. We're in a media dynasty fantasy football league. Right. And one thing people don't, it's completely irrelevant in the grand scheme of life, but a lot of fantasy football championships, we're going to be hanging in the balance on Monday night because you got the bills and the Bengals last game of championship week. And you got a lot of players on the bills and Bengals, you know, guys have. So anyway, Joe had a lead in our league and ended up winning because the game got canceled. Um, what he decided to do with the money is he bought every single person in the league, a uh, DeMar Hamlin shirt from 26 church. Cause part of the money goes to that charity. And then with the pros after the money was left from that too, he donated all that as well. So I got to give a big shout out to uh, Joe Marino. I thought that was really cool to buy everyone in the league a shirt and donate the leftover winnings to uh, DeMar Hamlin's charity. But anyway, I don't know, man. Maybe it's selfish. Maybe it's not. I don't. It feels good to care so much and, and be so passionate and be so happy about this news right now. You know what I'm saying? It's like usually when you have people honoring you and people praying for you and money being raised, it's unfortunately and sadly, it's usually after the fact. It's usually after somebody's passed away. You know, they're not around to see it. The single best part about everything that's going on now is God willing, things stay on the course that they appear to be on. This dude is going to walk out of a hospital and 
He's going to feel the love like on levels that we you just don't see often. He knows about the money. You know, he's going to he's going to see people. He's going to see the love. He's going to feel the love. He's going to take a good look at the GoFundMe and a lot of the messages and read some of the cards that he's getting from people. He's going to watch some of these clips that people have been saying about him. He's going to watch, hopefully, on TV on Sunday and see that people, you know, that the three is being painted on sidelines for games and that there's going to be all kinds of honors before the games. And not just for Buffalo, all the games. He's going to get to see this shit. And usually when you get this much outpouring of love or something like that after something that happened to him, it's usually, unfortunately, they're gone. And he's not. That's the best part. What would you say for you, how has this changed your perspective of watching football or just in general? Just has this what like it, it, do you think it will change you or do you think in a week you're going to kind of forget about it? It's a, it's a very fair question. I think a lot of people would, would say that's a fair question, too. Here's what I think. And I've talked about this a little bit this week with my, my family. I say that it's going to change me for sure. I, I say that I'm going to have some perspective and I want to. I really do. I think this. I think I'm still going to be as passionate during the game. I'm still going to fire off angry tweets when I'm mad. And I'm still going to be pissed off after a game if they lose, especially if it's the playoffs because I woke up or I went into this year thinking that this is the year the Bills got to win the Super Bowl, and I still feel that way. But I think the difference between now and maybe a couple weeks ago is, whereas I'm still not over 13 seconds. Let's put it that way, okay? Still not completely over that. I think the Bills win the Super Bowl if we're not for 13 seconds. But anyway, that ate at me for a long time. It still does to an extent. I get triggered easily when it comes to that. I think now I will be able to get over losses quicker. I will be able to get over the pain of my favorite football team losing because I'm going to be able to. And I also will you know, related because I am a podcaster and we do talk about players. I think I will be less, a little less critical at least, or even if I'm critical, it will be on a more humanizing side. You know what I'm saying? Like you could say, you know, Dane Jackson not playing well, you know, he's playing bad, but when you start talking about him, like he's a bum, get him out of the league. This guy doesn't deserve his paycheck. That's bullshit. You know, that's over the top. Those are the kind of reactions, the hot takes, whatever stupid shit you want to call them. That's what I think hopefully will will change for me the most is that I will be able to humanize players a little bit more. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I feel that too. And, and going back to my initial thing where we talked about Hamlin, where I was like, who is this guy? Like, who the hell is he when I talked about him in the in July? I think for me, it's it's having more of a perspective towards – every guy and not just the star players and just realizing like, can't you tell Yeah, I agree. Can't you tell that the love that his teammates have for him is like true. It's legit. Yeah. Like it's real. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not a guy who's had some character issues in the past who you're still going to rally around him. He's still your brother. You know what I mean? Good or bad. This is a guy that I, I feel like everybody on this team genuinely loves. I, I truly feel that way. Like he's a guy who's, uh, you know, I, you said it. We've learned a lot about his character in in this past week that we probably didn't know about before. Um, like, for an example, his little brother. He was highly recruited out of high school, could have went to a lot of schools, but he wanted to play college in Pitt because he wanted to be close to his brother so his brother could have his mentor, his role model near him. Family. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, the humanizing things like that, that the high character that he is. You could just tell. When Josh Allen's talking about him Thursday in a press conference, when Mitch Morris is articulating his thoughts in a press conference, you could tell how they feel is genuine. It's, they're not just saying it because they're 
his teammate. They genuinely feel that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's, they, they. That's. I think it's part of the locker room there. Like they're when you have a family. I mean, of fifty-three guys who come from different backgrounds, and you get to know each other more. You're like you're locked in a a camp for like six months out of the year, and that's that's your family. And I think you get to know those people. But like he seems like a great guy, and I really, I I definitely um. I'm looking forward to him, you know, hopefully getting out of hospital and getting to know him more in terms of like him. He's obviously going to do a lot of interviews, I'm sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like to get to know him more, but I'd love to see him um, again, thinking about football. It always comes back to football, man. Um, I want him to lead the charge. I, imagine right. if he's good enough to get out of the hospital, be okay, walk again or whatever, lead the charge for a bill's playoff game. Yeah. That would How be- sweet. I just, Oh, it, it would just be, it, it would be absolutely, uh, Freaking amazing, man. And before we go, I, I do want to spend just a couple of minutes because, again, this is, at the end of the day, football. And uh, it was announced today officially on Friday, so people are listening to this on Saturday, what the NFL has decided to do. If you're listening to this show, I'm not going to go through all the things. You already know it. But long story short for the Buffalo Bills, you know, a lot of people say they got robbed. A lot of people say they, they kind of caught a break. I, I, it's, you know why it's such a hard question to ask or answer because of who they were playing on Monday night. If the bills were playing the Houston Texans or the Chicago bears, I'd be like, I don't care if they started like shit, their bills are going to win that game. No doubt about it. You know what I'm saying? But they're playing a very good team. And, uh, you don't know how that game was going to play out. The Bengals were outside. I wasn't feeling good about that game, but again, I, there's been lots of games this year where I didn't feel good about the bills defense early on. And then they would find ways to, strain it out and make a couple plays. So it's impossible to say what would have happened, and the league knows that too. Anyway, so if the Bills win on Sunday against the Patriots, if the Chiefs win, which we expect them to beat the Raiders on Saturday, we'll know before the Bills take the field on Sunday. But if the Chiefs win, the Bills are playing for the two seed. If they're the two seed, it's business as usual, first two rounds. However, if they face the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, and this is important, it'll be on a neutral site. We don't know where yet. It will not be at Arrowhead. It will be on a neutral site. Um, if the Chiefs happen to lose and the Bills win, the Bills take over to one seed and it's, there's no neutral site. So uh, the Bills got a lot to play for on su- Sunday. Let's just put that out there now. They are going to play their starters. They want to win this football game. They don't want to go back to Cincinnati potentially in a divisional round matchup to play to three. I think you can make a strong case that the Bengals kind of got screwed with this. Um and the, the, coin toss thing for, the coin toss for the Bengals thing is kind of weird. Like if they play Baltimore and they have to like decide. It is. Yeah, they, they, they got have, Right. And they have no chance to be the number one seed where you can make a very fair case that they could have beat the Bills and then they would have, because they beat the Chiefs, they would have been in the ones where if the Chiefs stumble on Saturday, the Bengals yeah, could win and the Bengals could have been the number one. I think all things, I mean, there was pretty much only two options. It was either that or just give both teams a tie or a no contest. And uh, can you know, ask, you're on your own. Can I ask you this? Because you were on Twitter. I was a little bit busy on Friday. Um, was there any notes about the Bills saying they did not want to make up this game at all? No. Like, was there anything like that? Did we hear anything like, or is this more? No. The league just decided, like, hey, we can't. We because of I don't think I could tell you that. I don't. I I didn't see anything. But I could promise you this. I know this. All right. I'll say this confidently. The Bills did not want to play that game. The Bengals did not want to play that game because you know why? There's more uh, risk than reward by playing that extra game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> injuries, injuries outweigh anything else. The league would, did not want to push back uh, and not have a week between the Super Bowl 
in the conference championship games. I don't really think that that was ever a real option. It was going to come down to one or two things, either the, the resolution that we have now where the Chiefs, if they win, they're the one seed. However, if they play the Bills, they will not have home field advantage. I think it might be the Bengals too. I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't care about the Bengals. I care about the Bills for the purpose of this podcast. If Kansas City and the Bills play, it's going to be somewhere neutral. Unless Kansas City loses on this weekend. Then the Bills win and it's going to be in Orchard Park. Yeah. It was either that or nothing. They just get a no contest. And then the Bills would not have had a chance to win the first seed. Or they could have even lost and, and ended up being the three. So I mean, they still could actually on Sunday if they were to lose. The Bills ain't going to lose this or they're not going to play to lose this game is what I'm saying. They're not resting their starters on Sunday. They're crazy if they do. They don't want to go to Cincinnati, not just because Cincinnati's a great football team. I also think psychologically, I don't think they want to go back to Cincinnati and, and go through this again. Not this year anyway. So they got well, a lot they, to play they for. Have, they may have to go there for the divisional game, though. So that's, no, that's they won't. Not if they win. Not if they win. If they beat the Patriots, they can, they're guaranteed second seed. Right, and then you're right, and then they they would come here. Um, yeah, Cincinnati okay. would have to come here. So, like I said, Cincinnati kind of got they got a little bit screwed in this deal. But look, there was always going to be someone who got screwed. So it's just the way it is. Kansas City benefits a little bit, but you can make the case. Let's talk football for 40 seconds from Monday's game because it, it doesn't matter. What matters is Demar Hamlin, and what matters is Demar Hamlin is. God willing, on, on the path to a full recovery. That's all that that matters right now. But reliving that game quickly here, and again, we've seen a lot of Bills shit, so you can't say definitively because they were down 7-3 and Cincinnati was starting to drive again. Whatever. We've seen it before with the Bills. The Bills can put up 35 on anyone. They can make stops. We know that. Even if they play like shit early on. But I'll say this. The Bengals won the toss. They wanted the football. You don't see that. You see teams defer. The Bengals were confident they wanted to take that football and come down and score and, and make a statement, and they did exactly that. Now, the Bills drove right back down the field, and Josh threw a, a pass. Cole Beasley might have been – he should have been able to catch it maybe for a first down. But if it's a good throw, Beasley catches that shoulder, bam, that's a touchdown. He had a step and a half on his guy at the five-yard line. Anyway, point is this. This was looking like it was going to be the longest night of Trey White's life. because I mean, he, he was looking bad early on. Teron Johnson was out for the game already. He, he, had, a, he had a head injury. So Saran Neal's in there. It was not – if you're a Bengals fan, you, you, you're feeling confident that your team was going to go out and win that football game. It was not a good start for the Bills. And if you want to have one football takeaway based on just a half a quarter, I'm a little concerned now about Trey White going forward. The teams, I mean, Cincinnati, it was clear there's day. They're like, I'm going at Trey White today. And they did successfully yeah. three times. I mean, that's – a when you look at the who's left in the playoff – bracket there's two teams that i i think that can cause problems for the bills at, at wide receiver it's the chargers and it's and it's the Bengals right now yeah from what i'm seeing like you know obviously we don't know what's going on with the dolphins i forgot i don't even know if they can get in or not i they can yeah they're they're not like they're in trouble but like eh. those those to me like with two out but like those to me teams can really because they're deep at wide receiver the Bengals and, Dol- and the chargers and you know, I did kind of come away with that as well. It was still early, like you said. But the Bengals, you and I have been talking about the Bengals for months, that they're a team that I they're don't – They're good. They're good. I don't think they're – they're not a good matchup for the Bills nope. uh, at all. Um, I want to ask you something, and this doesn't really have to do with this game too much or this uh, going back to Mondays. Do you feel – I'm going to articulate this one. I'm going to load it up a little bit. Over the years, I can kind of think of times when, like, 
a player like got severely hurt mm-hmm. and then they made it into like a rally cry. Like I remember, you remember this, you remember in 1991, Mike Utley, the Detroit Lions yep. offensive lineman got paralyzed on the, on the field. They made a ra- a rallying cry where they, they took it all the way to the NFC championship game. And like the narrative was we, we rallied around this guy. He was there kind of like, you know, spiritual, like, even though he wasn't that obviously, but like he was paralyzed. Um, do you feel that there's more pressure now on the Bills to like win because like now they have this like this great story of this guy they're gonna rally around him like they are they're gonna rally around the, around Hamlin like in terms of like hey yeah. we're gonna use this guy as like our spiritual compass to like guide us and let's go win like the, you know people on Twitter are talking like oh they're gonna win by like forty against the Patriots on Sunday because they're gonna be so pumped up. Do you think there's more pressure now on them to win because of like this? Because can you imagine if, in a way, like I know it's look, I'm I'm putting my football cap on for the second. Can you imagine if they like lost in the divisional round and like just kind of like man, they went through all that and like yeah, yeah you know, and and, and and like it would have been poetic for them. Like they're gonna do it for this guy. They could do it for Hamlin and like they're gonna do it for you know whatever for him. You know what I mean? Like, do you feel that there's more pressure now on them? to win because of this, like in terms of like, we got to do it for him, you know, in a a way I feel, no, I I feel this way. I feel there is a ton of pressure on the bills to win, but I feel there was a ton of pressure on the bills to win before Monday night football happened. This is the, there they've been the super bowl betting favorites the entire year. So they've already been feeling that pressure all season long in terms of a rallying cry with involving um, Damar. I would say this, in the playoffs, absolutely. I, if I'm going to be more concerned, I'm going to be honest with you. If I have one concern about Sunday, it's that this whole week, you know, they're ready to run through a wall right now. I mean, God, they're their teammate. They thought he was gone. They thought he was dead. And now he's breathing, and now he's flexing and Zoom meetings and telling his players that he loves him. They're going to be fucking – I've seen the Rocky montage clips flying around social media. Everyone's fired up. I get that. What I'm a little concerned about for Sunday, if it's if there's one thing I'm concerned about, and I'm not concerned about a lot, I'm just going to be honest with you. But physically and emotionally, they're spent. And you know what it's like when you have, you know what it's like when you have adrenaline and you're like, it doesn't bother you for a while, but at some point that adrenaline kind of goes away and then you're back to being physically and emotionally spent. If it's the third quarter of a tight game and, you know, things ain't clicking, I'm a little concerned about them being drained just from a very long week, a short week. I mean, they played on Monday night and they barely practiced, which is something that we've said a lot of with the bills this season. They barely practiced. They they're emotionally have been through the ringer. So being able to, you know, and again, this comes down to McDermott and the leadership, the captains of the bills to get this team focused. I'm more concerned over these next. I said this yesterday. I don't care about their walk. I care that they're sleeping and getting their rest right now because I'm sure that they're drained and hopefully they're sleeping a lot better knowing that their teammate and that their brother is doing well. But anyway, to answer your question, I don't think there's extra pressure. I think that there's more pressure or I, I think there's been pressure the entire season. And also I, he will be a rallying cry. I mean, they, they he, there's no question about it. They're, they're going to they're going to go a little harder for him. And it's human nature. You know, you rally around your guy. I will say this, though, real quick. I hate saying this, but you know what? It has to be said. From a football standpoint, losing DeMar Hamlin right now is a big football blow. You know, again, does not fucking matter. What matters is your boy's breathing and smiling and, and talking. That's what counts. 
But on a football field for three hours on Sunday or whenever they play, the talent disparity between DeMar Hamlin and Cam Lewis is significant. I'm just, I'm not going to get into a Cam Lewis, but again, I just told you 10 minutes ago, I am uh, going to work on humanizing players more and not talking about them like they're robots. I'm not going to sit here and bash Cam Lewis like I have a lot over the last month. The talent drop-off is significant, though. And Dean Marlowe, who I ultimately think is going to start, he hasn't even been active for the Bills yet. He's going to go from being inactive to being the starting free safety right now. So I would be concerned about the Bills in the playoffs going against good teams because there's going to be a drop-off at safety. you got to look at it from a football perspective as an injury, you know, not a heart attack, as a football injury. So that's what I'm a little concerned about. But I'm not concerned about Sunday. I'm just, I'm just not. I'm one of those people who say the Bills, not Bills by a billion, I hate that term, but the Bills are going to, they should blow out New England. And real quick, so people can understand, you know, if you're paying somewhat attention, but not a ton, but you want to know what's going on probably with the playoffs. If the Chiefs win on Saturday, before the Bills even take the field, the Chiefs are locked in as the number one seed. But again, we know it's going to be a neutral side championship. Let's assume the Chiefs win and let's assume the Bills win. I mean, those are the most likely outcomes. The Bills would be the two. That means they play seven in the first round. Right now, New England is winning in, but obviously if the Bills win, they're the two. That means New England lost. That means if Miami beats the Jets at home, no lock, because you got Joe Flacco against Skylar Thompson going on right now. But if Miami wins that game, they're in, and they're the seventh seed. Uh. So it would be the Bills playing Miami in Buffalo, very likely without Tua. Okay, you're probably looking at Teddy Bridgewater. If Miami happens to lose to the Jets, then you're looking at Pittsburgh if Pittsburgh can beat Cleveland at home. So I would say it's 50% Miami and maybe 45% Pittsburgh. Now, if you want to take it one last step, let's just say Tennessee lose or beats Jacksonville. Jacksonville could end up being that other seventh seed if all other three teams lose, including them. But anyway... I think more than likely it's Miami or Pittsburgh, one of them. And then if the Bills could handle business in the first round at home, you're talking about they would play the highest seeded team left, which would be, or the lowest seeded team, which is almost, it would be Cincinnati probably. I'll tell you though, four or five is going to be the AFC South champion, which I think is going to be Jacksonville and they'll play the Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to win. You could be looking at a divisional round where the Jags, the Jaguars scare me a little bit. I don't know why, because I feel like they have a lot of talent there. And they got like when you have a lot of high picks, and then like obviously we know the the coach. I don't think they're there yet. I, yeah, but I think sometimes when you have high picks, there tends to be like a little bit more right. of like you're worried that they're like they've had a, a bad coach, which has been their issue. Like the, the last two coaches they've had, like the the guy last year, I forgot his name, whatever that knucklehead was terrible, but like. Urban Meyer. Yeah. Urban Meyer. They, it worries me. Like, Trevor Lawrence isn't a, I mean, that guy was like, people were sucking for him. And, like, he's been good. He's been hot the last, like, month or so. I was – let me ask you this real quick. Who would you rather play, the Dolphins with Bridgewater or the Steelers with uh, with Kenny Pickett? I, I, it's a fair question. I'm not trying to be a homer here. I'm, I have zero fear of either team. I, it doesn't matter. I'm not afraid of it. There's nobody in the first round of those teams, and I might look like a real idiot a couple weeks from now by saying this. If There's nobody in the first round who's the seventh seed who scares me, whether it's, whether it's the Miami Dolphins, whether it's the Steelers, which, by the way, if Jacksonville wins against Tennessee, and this is the funny thing here, and this could happen. If Miami loses to the Jets, 
possible, considering who their quarterback is. If Pittsburgh loses to Cleveland, possible. New England still could get in the playoffs. Because if they both lose, New England would be back in. So they could be playing New England in the first round. So none of those teams scare me whatsoever. I would say Miami's got the two receivers who could really hurt you. But if Teddy Bridgewater is the one throwing the football, I'm just not concerned. I, and Miami's got a lot of injuries too. By the I mean, they're banged up bad. I'm not sure they're going to beat the Jets. Pittsburgh's got some different. TJ Watt can take over a game. He kind of did it against Buffalo in the opener. Not this year. The the yeah. year before that. And But they got a rookie quarterback. Eh. And the Bills beat him by like 35 this year. So. Right. I think you're looking at this, Joe, and we'll wrap it up by saying this. And again, we're highly speculating, but if things go the way you would expect them to go, I think you're looking at a second round, which would be the divisional round, where Cincinnati would be coming to Buffalo and either the Chargers or the Jaguars would be coming to Kansas City. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Chargers absolutely could beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. I don't, they're, they're good. The Chargers, Char- it's, it's been interesting with the AFC because the AFC, I think, has gone almost exactly how we all thought it would probably go in September in terms of who are the teams like involved. Like Jacksonville is kind of a surprise, but I think we all like the chargers had a slow start to the season and they're exactly where I think we all thought they were going to be at. Mm-hmm. And the chargers scare me because they're, I, I I'm scared of offenses. Cause I'm like, Ooh, like that's where like, there's more pressure on Josh Allen. Like he's got to match these guys. And like the chargers scare me in that regards. And some of the bank. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the Chargers also have Bosa and Khalil Max. They got two great yeah, pass rushers. Derwin got- James is one of the – that's what I'm telling you. I think the Chargers, who probably are going to finish five, would go to the Kansas City Chiefs. Even if the Bills don't end up the number one seed, I'm still not sure that they wouldn't end up playing a home championship game anyway in Orchard Park. But anyway, again, that's down the road. One last question, I'll let you go. You asked me about Sunday and the – do you have – if you're a Bills fan, are you worried about this game on Sunday or do you think they're going to roll the Patriots? I think they're going to roll the Patriots. I, yeah. I I think it's a matchup that – I don't know what it is. I, I'm not even saying that in the momentum because, like, they're going to do it for Hamlin. Like, yeah, obviously. Uh, that, I, it I, does I, matter. It does matter. Like, you know, I think, I think momentum does matter and how you feel and, like, that extra motivation does help. But from taking that away, the Bills have just – they just match up really well against New England. I don't know what it is. Like, as long as the weather isn't terrible, they just match up well. Like, they just have yeah. firepower. Josh Allen has and Diggs have basically owned them. Um, I, I feel I feel they're they're going to – they should win. One thing I'm going to ask you, and then we can go off. And if the Bills – I hate to ask this question, but if the Bills somehow get eliminated early in the playoffs, let's just say they lose in the divisional round or maybe the wild mm-hmm. card, do you feel that could there could be a point of view where you could say, hey – like they they went through too much this year, where this Hamlin thing kind of like like stuck stuck with them a little bit, the injuries and like yeah. all this stuff kind of was like it was too much for them. Like they like they saw their like you can say like hey they even though he's getting better obviously and look he could walk out of the hospital on next week for all we know, but like would you say like hey like that's a fair thing to say like if it if it slows is it a legitimate excuse is, yeah. is that what is you're asking? Yeah, it's a legitimate excuse. Like, hey, they just like, like you know, and I hate to ask this because I'm not saying like, uh, like maybe in that kind of a. I'm just curious. Like, is that is that because I I could definitely see like it being a talking point after the season. Like, if if they get eliminated early, like, hey, they 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 went through so much shit this year with like moving and like, not just him, but like moving the team around, like with the, with the freaking storm where they had to go to play in Detroit and. And, and things like that, like, I, I just wonder if people, if that's going to yeah. be a talking no, point. 
And it should I, be a talking point. Look, you don't want to talk about these guys being human beings, and Sean McDermott talked about yeah. that in his press conferences. They are. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you're talking – forget about – listen, every team has someone like Micah Hyde who goes down unexpectedly and it sucks and you got to overcome that. Vaughn Miller is a guy that they do the bank at. They built this defense. They predicated being able to get to the quarterback, and they chose Vaughn Miller to pay a, a boatload of money, and he tears his ACL on Thanksgiving. The second straight year on Thanksgiving, a Bills player tears his ACL. That's hard to overcome. And then you talked about the weather. They had to go play a game in Detroit. They played three games, I think, what, in nine days or some shit like that. They've missed. They've been able to not get to practice at various times because of weather this year. And then, of course, they had a, a teammate almost die on a football field. Yeah. That's a lot, man. Yeah, it, it's, it's just interesting to me because it's like, man, if they lose, like, I, how can I get, like, I had, I'm sure I got angry a little bit, but it's like, shit, like, they've been through a lot this year, man. Like, I don't want to go through that. Like Jordan Boyer's been playing hurt. Pretty much the entire that season. Poor man, you know what? I, I'll say this, and then we can go off. I, I, I hope that guy gets. Look, I hope they pay him. If he doesn't, I hope he gets paid somewhere. I don't know why. I, I, I don't know why he has not gotten paid. Like I'm surprised he didn't. Because he's 31 years old, and he just got too many guys sure. right now. Sure, but he I'm deserves saying, it. I love Jordan Boyer. I'm talking about he's been good for years. I'm surprised like in 2019 he didn't hold out. Or when they just extended him for another year. Like, I don't know well, what his agent was. I thought, like, look. we Blame his agent, then. If you think he's underpaid, yeah. you blame his agent. Yeah, I'm blaming his agent. Fair. Like, I don't know why. Like, is, is there something, like, I'm missing? He's, outplay, he's outplayed his contract. Yeah, he's look, outplayed forever. And that's some, st- some stats are overrated. When you win 14 straight football games, when your guy's out there, at some point, you know, that matters. Now that the Bills win 14 times because Jordan Boyer made big I plays in 14 not, games, but- of course not. But he did make some big plays in some big games. So he's, he's, he has plenty to do with it. There, there's a lot of meat on that bone when it comes to yeah. the Bills winning I'm just the saying, I, I wish I wish he would have been a little bit more selfish and try to get paid in 2019 or 2018. He'll get he'll get a nice probably a maybe a three year deal that's voidable after the first yeah, or second yeah. year. I, he, I don't know he, if it's gonna come in Buffalo he, though, because you got Jermaine, you got Ed Oliver, you got you got younger guys. Yeah. And before this happened, you could make a very fair case, and it was a very fair point. I thought about this. I've talked about this with Aaron Quinn plenty on the show. You got Micah High coming back next year, and you got a nice young player who's still ascending in Demar Hamlin. You know, the, the, there's your safeties next year. You can't afford to pay everybody. So unfortunately, Jordan Boyer probably goes and gets some bank uh, somewhere else. But real quick, too, by the way, I'd be remiss before we get off the off the year. We've said it like five times oh, we're going to get off, then we start talking about something else. But um, John Murphy, man, that. John Murphy had a stroke, which I didn't even hear about until today on Friday when we're taping this. So, obviously, uh, best wishes for him. Joe's through the years had a lot of fun, innocent fun. It's tongue-in-cheek fun. It's not nasty fun. John John Murphy, the John Murphy memes where he gets overexcited and acts homeristic with his Buffalo Bills tweets. Anyway, again, that's tongue-in-cheek. It's not nasty personal or any of that shit like that. And – I hope anyway, I hope we hope for the best. We hope yes, for the best yeah. for him. I mean, I, He's much, recovering. I don't want any of the people like I make fun of, like to, to, um, to have a stroke. So no. yes, obviously we want, I mean, how much shit does this team <laughs> go through right now? Yeah. You're, when you're playing, like, like, He's been here forever, and it's it's like in the understandably why, but it's almost like a little side of, story. One of the things I was thinking about on Monday was like Chris Brown took over like the first time he's doing play by play for the bills. And like, that dude has been there forever. He's been there for like three decades. Like in the 90s, he's been there. 
And the first game, like you, it's like you got your big shot at calling an NFL game, and that shit happens. I, I kind of was, I was thinking about him, like, man, that poor dude is like, like this is my first game, and like a player dies, like, like through the first call. Almost one, one final little uh, tidbit as well about this, and it's not funny. I'm not saying it's to be funny because there's nothing entertaining or funny about it. But my buddy took a ride, who, who I work with, took a ride to Cincinnati with his girlfriend and went to the game. Pre-gamed outside was late, little late getting in. And then they couldn't find their seats or something like that. And by the time they got there, what happened happened. Wow. And so he didn't even get to sit down and watch a play before that happened when he went to the game. I was like, drove six hours to, uh, you know, just witness That's their right. death. But they anyway. Got, they got refunded, I'm assuming. What if, I, what if you got- I, know, I know season ticket holders definitely – Got refunded. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sure everyone got refunded. How does, what, I, I always wonder, like, how what happens in StubHub? If you got your ticket through StubHub. Like, I don't know. I, like, how it happens to your ticket? Do you get tough shit? Anyway. I don't know, man. I don't know. But I'm, uh, well, we're going to get out of here. I, I, I'm glad. Again, thank you. And I, and I listen, man, me and you bust each other's balls. And sometimes we get, like, in real fights on, yeah, online. It, it's and stuff, 1 o'clock in the morning. I, I do appreciate you doing this. It felt a little bit therapeutic to me to be able to kind of talk about this with somebody with a microphone and, you know, and somebody on the other end and get someone else's views on this. It's been a, it's been an emotional week, man. It's been a, a draining week, a trying week. Uh, I'm really proud of the love that everybody has shown. And it was, was just one of those rare instances where everyone's unified. Everyone wants the same thing. And I'm sure as time goes on, you get your idiots, which we are not, we didn't talk about today and we're not going to, but it was just nice to see everybody come together for a good cause. And most importantly, it's it's beautiful to see what looks like could be a happy ending. But anyway, give Joe a follow on Twitter at Buffalo Wins. Come up with some better uh, stage name for him. Or yeah, podcast if you guys have name. any stage names. And also, when the hell I want to draft something. You've had me on here like three times in the emergency setting. I just want to draft something. Me. We'll draft something next time. Oh, not you at, won't. Not at one in the morning, though. Bullshit forever. <laughs> Anyways. Guys, thanks for uh, – Thank, thanks for tuning in if you if you happen to be watching this. Like I said, make sure you follow or, or subscribe on YouTube with that like button. I don't do podcasts on the weekend often, and there probably won't be one for quite a while after this, but just some things we needed to get off our chest. So thank you very much for listening, and uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy some football. Talk to you soon. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.